good to see you all. I was asked to preach on having success with friends this morning, and it's a very big, broad subject, um, very important. You know, we're going to have a, uh, a youth meeting starting next Sunday, and if you're a young person, this is an excellent time to build strong Christian friends, or to renew old Christian friends that can last you a lifetime. And having a lifelong Christian friends is more important than you might think. It's very important. You know, when God brought the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt and gave them the land of Canaan, he warned them not to marry with or mix with the ungodly Canaanites. Why did he say that? Why did he not want them to marry and make friends at all with the Canaanite people. He told them because if they did that, they would turn their heart away from God. He said in Deuteronomy 7 and 3, Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Well, Israel didn't listen to God. And they ended up marrying their, the, the heathen Canaanites, the, their neighbors. And it didn't turn out well. The absolute worst of all was King Solomon. Solomon, he married 700 wives. 700 wives. I can't imagine how he managed to pull that off. He was, of course, the richest man in the world. He was the most powerful man in the world, so it probably wasn't hard for him to find someone that would marry him. But 700, man. He obviously wasn't that picky about who he married. He didn't care what she believed. She believed in God, didn't believe in God believed that the rock was God. She didn't, he didn't care. She might have been pretty. But he didn't care about her spiritual soul, about what her beliefs, what her, her values were. And you know how that turned out? It didn't turn out well for Solomon. Just like God said it would in 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 4, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. It is vitally, vitally important that you choose godly friends. Especially the friend you choose to marry. But that's true with anybody that you're going to spend a lot of time with. They need to share your values, share your faith. Because what was true about relationships back in 900 B.C. is still true today. If you surround yourself with ungodly friends, they will turn your heart away from God. It'll happen. You're not as stronger than those people back there were. Relationships are the same today. So what happened to Solomon? In 1 Kings 11 and verse 11, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, 
Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. But God said, I will keep one tribe for your son, the tribe of Judah, for the sake of his father David and for Jerusalem, because God keeps his promises. And that's exactly what happened. God caused Solomon's enemies to rise up against him, and they made war with him the rest of his life. And he caused his servant, Jeroboam, to rise up against him. Jeroboam was the leader of Solomon's armies. And he rose up and he, he rose up against him and rebelled against him and fought with him the rest of his life. So after reigning for 40 years, Solomon died and was buried. And his son, Rehoboam, uh, became king of Israel. Did you know that Solomon, as great as he was, as powerful as he was, he was not a popular king. The Israelites didn't like Solomon. He, uh, he was very ambitious, to put it lightly. And he, he created these great palaces all over, these great works, mighty works. They were gold. They were filled with gold and, and luxurious, you know. And he did all of this on the backs of the Israelite people. And to pay for it, he taxed them. He taxed them to death. He taxed them over and over and kept demanding more and more money. And they had to go out and work day and night. It was just horrible. And they hated him for treating them like slaves. And I'm sure keeping 700 wives living like royalty couldn't have been cheap. And they paid for it with sweat and blood and, and their finances. And so when Rehoboam, his son, became king, the people had had some hope, you know. Maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll be better for us. And so Jeroboam, who had been living in exile since the rebellion, came back to Israel. And he got the whole assembly of the Israelites together. And they came and they talked to Rehoboam. And they said in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 4, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us and we will serve you. That's good advice. He said to go away and I'll call you back later to tell you my decision. And then all the elders and wise men that served Solomon, his father, came to him. And they all came and they said to Rehoboam, they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Just listen to them today and do what they ask. They'll serve you forever. It was good advice. Then Rehoboam went and talked to his childhood friends the young men that he had grown up with, the guys he hung out with and had fun with. And he asked them what they thought. And they were like, dude, don't listen to those old people. They're just trying to take advantage of you. What you want to do is to make their life harder. 
You need to ask more money from them. Make them work harder for you. If you don't, they'll, they'll take advantage of you. What did Rehoboam do? Rehoboam listened to his friends. He listened to his sorry friends. They gave him that pitiful advice. And so in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 14, he brought all the Israelite people, Jeroboam, the elders, everybody back together again. And he gave them his decision. He said, he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with scourges. Do you think dad was bad? What do you get a taste of me? It's going to be so much worse. Well, the people of Israel were greatly discouraged. And when you take away people's hope, they have nothing, nothing left to live for. They have nothing. They have nothing left to lose. And so when Solomon sent his chief tax collector out to, take, to get taxes from the people, the Israelites rose up and stoned him to death. And Rehoboam saw this. He went and jumped in his chariot and headed back to Jerusalem as fast as he could. Fled for his life. And all the tribes of Israel, except for one, the tribe of Judah, the eleven, they chose Jeroboam as the new king of them. And the kingdom of Israel were divided forever. Because Rehoboam made the same mistake that his father did. He made ungodly friends and he took their advice. I'm sure they were great fun to hang out with. But when he really needed them, when he needed good advice, they were worse than useless. So you need to be wise in choosing your friends. You choose many things in life. You choose the movies you see. You choose the food you eat. You choose a lot of things that aren't important. Choose your friends. Choose them wisely. Don't just choose them out of convenience. Put thought into it and think about it and choose them. Now, we've seen what it looks like to be unsuccessful in friendship. What is it? look like to be successful with friends. You know, a few weeks ago, Michael gave a sermon about standing alone. And what he taught was true. If you have to go against the crowd, if the crowd is going against the word of God, the will of God, and you have to choose between standing alone and going with the crowd, you stand alone. But it's a whole lot easier if you have friends. If you have friends that are willing to stand in the fire with you. And Daniel had friends like this. He had times when he had to stand alone. But he also chose really good friends. Shadrach 
Meshach and Abednego were his friends. And they stood with Daniel. When the king ordered that they eat that food, that, that luxurious food that was stuff that God told them not to eat. And Daniel stood and said, No, will you please just give me vegetables? Give me what I can eat yeah, because of what God told us. When he stood for himself, did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, You know, Daniel, you can do what you want, but I think we'll do what the king says. You know, he can have us killed. So we'll just eat what they put before us. You do your thing. Good luck. No, they didn't say that. They stood with him and they, they ate the same thing Daniel ate. And when they prospered, God blessed them greatly. You know, this world is going to tempt you every day. You'll be tempted often and it'll be hard to always do the right thing. It's hard to always, every single time, do the right thing. It's a lot easier if you have friends that are encouraging you to do the right thing. Friends that will hold you accountable. And friends that will help you make the right choice. You need to find friends like that. And you find friends and that share your values the Apostle Paul knew this was true. The Apostle Paul knew this very well. You know, when Paul became a Christian, he knew that there was a lot of people, a lot of old friends he had that he couldn't have any longer. He was going to have to leave a lot of people behind as he persecuted the church. And his friends all encouraged him to do that. They were all into that, persecuting Christians. And so when Paul became a Christian, he knew he couldn't hang out with these people anymore. And it was hard for him. It was lonely, I'm sure, for a long time because the Jews hated him and the Christians didn't trust him. But Paul was willing to wait for friends that shared his values, shared his faith. Fortunately, a good old Barnabas came along. Bless his heart. Barnabas trusted him. And he brought him to the apostles and he stood by him. And he spoke for him. He was a good friend. And before long, Paul was preaching to congregations all over. And he made lots of friends. Paul ended up having all friends throughout all the churches. Friends that were good, godly friends. And this is what he wrote to, the, to his friends in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 9, For we are glad, Paul said, when we are weak and you are strong. We're glad when we are weak and you are strong. See, Paul was successful at friendship because Paul's friendship wasn't one way, you see. It wasn't a one-way friendship. Just like us, Paul struggled with sin his whole life. And he was very honest about that. And so he needed people 
that would be strong where he was weak. So he could be strong where they were weak. And that's what you need in a friend. And if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians, you know that Paul wasn't shy about calling his friends to the table, calling them up and telling them they're not doing right. And he got on to them. And he expected them to do the same for him when he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. Have you ever had a friend that was just really, really needy, was always wanting something from you, was never really giving anything back? That's not a good friendship. That's not a successful friendship. And if you're in that kind of relationship, you need to talk to them and ask them to make some changes. The passage uh, that Matthew read this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, is a very good picture. It's a perfect picture of a friendship, a good, godly friendship. He says two are better than one because they will have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can stand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes here describes a successful friendship. When one falls, the other lifts him up. When one is warm, the other one, one is cold, one keeps him warm. When one is overpowered, one comes to his aid. And this brings, my, brings me to my last, my last point. And that is, if you want to have a, have a successful friendship, you need to be a good friend. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Back in Daniel... Chapter 2, when the king of Babylon started having these really disturbing dreams. And it was really bothering him, and he was dreaming these incredible dreams. And no one could interpret these dreams from him except for Daniel. And Daniel came, and he told him what they meant, and he comforted the king. Well, the king was so grateful, he promoted Daniel to being the ruler of the entire province of Babylon. Well, did Daniel forget his friends? No, he didn't. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 49, it says Daniel petitioned the king to make Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rulers right along with him. He remembered his friends. Remember your friends in the good times. When you have success, share it with your friends. When you rejoice, share that with your friends. That's how to have a successful friendship. But just as important, just as important is be willing to stand with your friends in the bad times. When times are hard, stand with them. In Daniel chapter 3, <clears throat> we read how the king of Babylon decided to make this golden statue 
a giant statue of gold, and he ordered that everyone in the land was to bow down and worship this statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow and worship this idol. And so when this furious king brought them to give an account to tell why they were breaking this command, why, why they were breaking this law, the three of them together, like a three-strand cord, stood together strong. They didn't back down. They weren't broken. They stood together. And when the king ordered that they be thrown into the furnace of fire, even that didn't separate them. They walked in together. And when they walked in, they saw another friend there. The Son of God himself was in the fire with them, standing with them there. And he protected them from the flame. And they walked out of there together with not a hair singed on their body, the Bible says. I want you to know that no one understands friendship like Jesus does. And when you stand up for God, then God's going to stand by you. And if this morning you're thinking, well, maybe I haven't been so successful in friendship, and you can change that today. You can seek out godly friends that will encourage you spiritually. Friends that will give you good counsel and not lead you astray. Friends willing to stand with you both in good times and in bad. And you can determine that you're going to be a better friend to the friends you have. Be a good friend. Life is so much easier when you have good Christian, godly friends to live it with. But if nothing else, if nothing else, be a friend to Jesus. Be a friend to him. Because if Jesus is your best friend, I'd say you're successful at friendship. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you keep my commandments. And Jesus laid down his life for you because that's the kind of friend he is. Have you laid down your life for Jesus? If you haven't, today's a good day to die. You can be buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk a new life. A new glorious Christian life. The best life you can live. If you have but you have not been the kind of friend to Jesus you ought to be. You can change that today as well. And... If in either of these cases is true for you, 
The church is ready and willing to help you. Won't you come forward now? Sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.